This podcast is brought to you by Scribe, a financial content agency. Just because your financial company and what you do is complex doesn't mean your content marketing has to be. Scribe produces blogs, articles, website and product copy, ebooks, pitch decks, and white papers for everyone from late stage fintech startups to the world's biggest banks and financial brands. Visit us at the Scribe Online. That's www.thescri.be. This is Stream It or Leave It. I like it a lot. Looking for something to watch? You have my undivided attention. We break down the best of streaming TV. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you can stop scrolling and press play. We don't talk. We hook up. I smoke them up. We watch TV. It's great. Uh, Tune in each week for our take. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now, action. The stuff uh, that dreams are made of. And don't call me sure. Welcome to Stream It or Leave It with me, your host, Shindy Chen, and my co-hosts, Matt Sanchez. Hello there. And Jeff Kuhn. Good evening. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could do a spooky laugh. (laughs) Welcome to our spooktacular Halloween special, because if you can't decide what to watch this Halloween, then you're in luck. We have narrowed down our top three picks that you can find right now on all of the streaming TV platforms. So this week we're doing like a Fright Night lightning round. And the scary thing is, well, I don't know how scary it is, but we don't actually know what we picked. So this is new to all three of us, and we're going to be following along right with you listeners. So without further ado, we're just going to get things started. So I'm going to go with Jeff. Jeff, what is your first pick for Halloween Fright Night streaming TV? Oh, my very first pick is the first horror movie that I would consider a horror movie because I watched a lot of monster movies when I was a kid, you know, like Godzilla and Frankenstein and that kind of thing that you would see on like Channel 9 or whatever in black and white. But this movie was actually the first like late night movie that I saw alone as a kid Uh and it's called the brain that wouldn't die. And it was released (laughs) in 1950 or the head that wouldn't die. There's actually two titles and there's two versions of the cut where the head that wouldn't die is the title of the movie at the beginning. And then the brain that wouldn't die is the title of the movie at the end. (laughs) So it was released in 1952 directed by Joseph green. It's definitely a happy Matt runtime of a succinct 82 minutes. And it features cast members Jason Evers and Virginia Leaf. And the Wikipedia synopsis is, A doctor experimenting with transplant techniques keeps his girlfriend's head alive when she is decapitated in a car crash, then goes hunting for a new body for her. Whoa. Yeah. This is Three House of Horror stuff. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, this is called The Brain That Wouldn't? The Brain That Wouldn't Die, yeah. Okay, cool. This is from 1952, you said? 1952. And it's like Dang. super melodramatic. It's very poorly written. It's cheesy. It's it's sleazy subject matter and incredibly violent for 1952 in terms of gore. That was like the first movie that I ever saw. And it's in black and white. But, you know, there's like blood in this movie that's explicit. And so it's really strange to see it from that like time period. So it sort of like conveys the the hubris and self-righteousness of 
American 50s hypermasculinity and manages to deliver a pretty clear karmic message of the consequences and backlash of the feminine response because he's like keeping this woman alive against her will and delivers this sort of revenge to this hyper-masculine savior complex type of guy. <laughs> it's really good. That is so fascinating. And it didn't traumatize you? It, it, it freaked me out a little bit as a kid. You know, it was like, I didn't know what to do with it, you know? But also, at the same time, Mystery Science Theater did a parody of this, or not a parody, but they did this movie. So that's worth also checking out because it's hilarious too. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. It's really good. Wait, that, you know, that reminds me of is that Steve Martin film where he's got the brain in the jar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Similar. I don't know why I just thought of that. I can't remember what, I'll put it in the show notes. I forget what that's called. Yeah, I know. Right. But you know which movie I'm talking about. I do. So then how does he keep her brain alive? She's basically in a tray full of uh, blood and liquid. Oh, fascinating. And so it, her head is like attached to these rods, <laughs> you know, and like this prop holding her head in this tray of, of fluid. And she telepathically communicates with this other sort of, because this guy's like a, a modern day Dr. Frankenstein. He's He's like experimenting with you know, growing limbs back and all of these weird genetic experiments. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to stop you right there. This, I, I want to watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to yeah. see it. I was just curious about how her brain stayed alive. Okay, awesome. Where can our listeners find this movie? Prime. Okay, cool. Sweet. All right. Nice. Matt, what is your first Halloween pick? Oh, we're going around. Cool. I like that. <laughs> just to get something quickly out of the way. I'm a horror film pussy. Oh, Unlike Jeff, my first horror experience was traumatizing. I was conned into watching it as a little kid. And I think that laid a foundation of years of trauma. So, you know, I like the jumps. I like scares, but I don't like things that don't let me sleep at night. So all my choices come with that in the background. So my first pick, what should I start with? I'm going to start with uh, adventure horror with some good scares. It's a movie called The Descent. It's from 2005. It's a British movie directed by Neil Marshall, who was known from some, you know, gritty horror-type movies. And he also directed some really great episodes from Game of Thrones, like the Battle of Blackwater for the fans. So he's got some good skills. And it's got an all-female cast. You wouldn't know any of them, I don't think. I think the biggest name is Shauna MacDonald. And basically, it's a low-budget, I think it costs $5 million, uh, thriller, really claustrophobic, really well put together. It's a group of six friends who enter a cave system and then they get trapped in there and they struggle to survive against humanoid creatures inside. There's a psychological aspect to it because one of the leads from the group, she lost her husband and her daughter a year ago in a car accident. So this is like a bonding trip with the, with the friends. So there's friendships in the middle, there's grief, there's, you know, regret, guilt. And then it just kind of very starts quite innocently, you know, like a bonding trip. And it just very organically kind of and slowly escalates. There's a lot of tension. And then it just gets ruthless, relentless, scares, you know, claustrophobic situations, jump out of your seat. And uh, the ending, without giving it away, is really fantastic. 
but controversially, that ending was changed for American audiences. So, of course, uh, I don't know exactly. I don't know. It wasn't very sequel friendly. So apparently, the last minute has been removed from the American version. I haven't double checked. I what? will double check so we can put it on the in the show notes. But you can watch yeah. it on Prime Video. But I don't know. There used to be a special option in the DVDs in America where you could watch the final, the, you know, the original version. I will find out if the Prime Video version is the full version or not. But yeah, great little film. Nice. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I've never heard of it. So for me, my first pick, I'm going to go for the easy play. (laughs) And I finished a squid game over the weekend. (laughs) So I, I think I finished it over the course of like three days. It's nine episodes. Obviously, people can find it on Netflix. It's like the number one show in the world right now. I think it's like number one in more than 30 countries. Wow. So it's directed by Hwang Dong-yuk, the lead characters. If you're not really familiar with Korean cinema, there's one primary character who's played by Lee Jung-jae. And then another, I guess, slightly major character is a Korean actress who won Korea's Next Top Model. So she she's in the show. Her name is uh, Jung Ho-yeon. But it's just, you know, it's the premise is people who are down on their luck, mostly broke, They've sort of lost their way in life and they get the opportunity to play a game where they don't really know what's in store for them. And it turns out when they get whisked away to this place where they have no idea where it is because they're all whisked away, they're put to sleep and then they wake up and they're in the game and they're forced to play children's games like red light, green light, things like that, which some of the games in the show are obviously Korean. So we're not familiar with them from a Western perspective perspective but they're korean children's games and so if you lose then you're eliminated in a really bad way and so it's fascinating i found it to be one of the most creative uh and original things that i had seen in so long and it's nice to see that kind of content rather than read a tweet about a remake of the bodyguard which you know it's it's just like i don't know what hollywood's doing because sometimes it's like they they're making things that don't need to be remade And then you see things that are so original and stories that you've never seen before. And I just crave that kind of originality and seeing something that's refreshing. And that's what this was for me. And obviously, it's it's all over the blogs. People are trying to go deeper with this, saying that there's like a deeper commentary on like capitalism, communism, all the players are considered equal. I thought the character development's good. The commentary on Western society. I don't know if it has the same level of steam from episode one through nine, but there's definitely a season two, and there are definitely oh. yeah. There's it, you know there's a lot of blood. It's violent. It's gory. Um, there's suspense. There's like some really really creepy horror esque mo- uh, moments. So I think if you've got a party and you're trying to figure out something to watch for Halloween, this is that's a great pick. So that's my that's my first pick. So we're going next. Lightning round. Yes, Matt. Commentary. <laughs> Am I allowed to present uh, any evidence for the other side on this pick? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll just briefly say, yeah, I totally agree. I love the fact that you know it's a Korean show that's getting watched the original and that's one of the most amazing things about the streaming era and netflix in particular that you get in these foreign shows like money heist and uh, a couple of years ago there was a brazilian show that was doing well on netflix called three percent so i love that these shows are getting watched the way they were meant to be 
and there's this discussion whether you should have subtitles or dubbing. Are you crazy? Of course, subtitles. <laughs> and I don't think this show would have been as accepted perhaps before Parasite. I wonder if Parasite helped to lay the foundations for a show like this. Agree. But I think you should watch Battle Royale. It's a Japanese movie that's got a very similar concept and does it really well. Ooh, good. I'll put that in show notes. Sounds good. That's definitely a very similar concept, Hunger Games style, but very mm-hmm. violent. And, uh, you know, with the, Jap- with the Japanese take on that whole kind of situation. For me, and I mean, obviously in a minority, I just thought it was too slow. I just, uh, just too slow. But have you seen the whole series? Because you're judging based on having only watched the first, what, two and a half episodes? I watched four episodes, which officially, according to The Atlantic, is how many episodes you should give any series. And it's more (laughs) than my usual three. So I went one extra episode just for you. And oh my God, I'm curious about where it goes because I want to know what the zeitgeist is, what the pop culture conversation is. But... I aged so much in those four episodes. Those four hours mm. felt like like four seasons. I mean, Sorry, Matt. when they kill ten people, <laughs> do they have to name every one of them? I mean, it's just just. Well, I was, I'll put I it, I'll put a break on it now. Uh, yeah, I think it's more character development. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's your choice, obviously, whether you want to keep stick with it. But um, interesting about the other show too, because I agree with you. I think the Japanese do horror really well. And so I'll definitely check out the one that you mentioned. But yeah, like I, I thought that it was something refreshing. It was a nice departure from all of the recent shit ass stuff that we've seen on Netflix. So yeah, moving on. Shit ass. That's a good, uh, that's a reservation dogs insult. <laughs> I hope we can get to another day. But uh, okay, well, you're obviously in the, in the majority, so I'm obviously wrong. But so to my yeah. pick, uh, my number two pick is I'm going to go with old school supernatural kind of creepy horror. And uh, I'm aware I'm jumping line here, Jeff. So you come in next. That's okay. <laughs> a movie called The Orphanage, uh, Spanish movie, El oh, Orfanato. Yeah. I think the name kind of says a lot. 2007, directed by J.A. Bayona, who did Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom, and The Impossible, which I haven't seen. Produced by Guillermo del Toro, more importantly. Oh. So, you know, the name is a great start. It's Belen Reda. She's fairly well known. She was in the scene side with Javier Bardem, which won Best Foreign Language Film. So she plays a woman who returns to the orphanage where she was raised to reopen it as a facility for disabled children. So you've got a creepy old house, hidden passages, apparitions, including a kid with a really creepy sack over his head. You have, and obviously the lady has a son who gets himself into trouble. However, as well as being creepy as hell, it's really beautifully shot, really atmospheric. Mm. It kind of earns, it's not a, a scare a second kind of movie, it just earns, it's more of a creepy movie and it earns every scare. And it has, the, the, the story develops in quite an interesting original way uh, where the, you know, the main character has to confront a really, a really deeply frightening kind of situation. Then it really gets into your bones, I think. And the ending is just superb. The ending, and for me, as someone who wants to sleep at night, the ending kind of, Kind of for those out there who are like me, the ending kind of makes all the creepiness kind of okay, but it is intensely, intensely creepy and atmospheric. And yeah, I, I'm proud that I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right up my alley. I love atmospheric, creepy, and you mentioned it's beautifully shot. And of course, because it's director's Guillermo del Toro. Well, Guillermo um, del Toro produced it, but yeah. it comes from that school okay. of, of artsy Spanish directors of, of the 2000s. So yeah. It's good. Nice. Mm. 
Oh, and it's available on Stars and on video on demand. That's right. Okay, Stars. Oh, Stars. We will put that in the show notes. Jeff, what's your next pick? <laughs> My next pick is a little Swedish ditty called Let the Right One In. What? Oh, nice. It was released in 2008. And there was a U.S. remake in 2010 called Let Me In. But I don't think it's nearly as atmospheric or as... It didn't, it didn't feel as good of a film to me. It's directed by Thomas Alfredson, who also directed Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah, that's a throwback. And the screenwriter wrote mm. the novel that the movie's based on. It comes in at 112 minutes. And the synopsis is Oscar, who's played by Kare Hedebrandt, is an overlooked and bullied boy who finds love and revenge through Ellie, Lena Lee Anderson, a beautiful but peculiar girl. And my favorite things about this movie is firstly that it sort of turns the vampire genre on its head in some ways and really spotlights aspects of like emotional vampirism in a way that I hadn't really seen before or thought about before. And, and I, I actually need to go back and watch it again because... I just sort of had some realizations as I was writing this out. But it's set in a suburb of Stockholm in the early 80s during wintertime. So it's also very atmospheric. It's an eerily kind of quiet movie. And so this girl, Ellie, moves in with uh, an older caretaker near to Oscar's apartment. And they black out the windows with cardboard. And it slowly comes to discover, he discovers her secret over time. And the vampire elements in this movie are really played down to focus more on the relationship between the kids. You start to realize one of them's not a kid, but, <laughs> but you know, when the vampire elements hit, it's very brutal and I thought very elegantly done. And the thing that I love most about the movie is sort of this tension between the innocence of Oscar, who's the little boy. And his love that's kind of growing and his confusion about love. And and there's this, but there's this also this like terrible grooming that's happening to him. Oh, creepy. Yeah, it's super creepy. Okay. But excellent movie. Is it keep you awake at night? Creepy? I ask asking for a friend. <laughs> I don't think so. I like I used to have that. Like I, I would watch, you know, I couldn't watch The Exorcist or you know, something like super like demonic or something like that. I could never watch those movies. Oh, I love it. Bring it on. I love all of that stuff. <laughs> Ghostries, you know, like The Conjuring or something like that. I can, I, I would not be able to watch those. Oh, uh, love that too. But now, I don't know what happened, but they don't bother me at all anymore. Mm. So like this one, I feel like is sort of more atmospheric and 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 just a good story, but. So, yeah, you might you know, give it a try. So, uh, setting in Stockholm is already, I mean, if you've been anywhere in oh, uh, Sweden yeah. or Denmark it, in the wintertime, like past two o'clock, it's pretty much dark yeah. for the rest of the yeah. day. So I totally yeah. get that vibe. It's awesome. Where can people watch this? I believe it's on Hulu and, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere. Okay, cool. Sling, Voodoo, Prime. Yeah, nice. it's all over the place. Well, going on the whole vampire vibe, 
there's one of my picks is, you know, and I did, I went back into the vault. Like I tried to think of classic things, but also fairly recent things that really spooked me. And recently I saw this anthology, well, not anthology series. I guess it's a three-part miniseries and it's called Dracula. It's on Netflix. I don't know if you guys happened upon this. It didn't get much promotion, but it is a three-part miniseries, and it's a new take on Dracula. Dracula is played by the Swedish actor, Klaes Bang, who only recently came in my radar because he was in the last season of The Affair, and he was playing Helen's oh. love interest, but he's like this super tall Swedish actor. He plays Dracula, and the co-star in this series is Dolly Wells, which if you know anything about British kind of uh, you know TV series, she was like Doll and M. They were in that series together, and she's so good in this series. And so it's a new take on Dracula. The script is incredible. I think actually the only the first two episodes are worth watching. The third one is just garbage which is really interesting. It's like they just didn't follow through. But first episode is directed by Johnny Campbell, who did like Westworld. And then the third, like the second or third episode is directed by Damon Thomas, who did like Killing Eve. And so you have these like very strong TV writers and directors. And then the writers who were involved were Stephen Moffat, who's done Doctor Who. And then uh, Mark Gaddis, who's done Sherlock. And I think he had some writing credit. Mark Gaddis is great. Yeah, and he did The Favorite. So if you're into that kind of like witty, clever, funny, very dark humor, you'll love the first couple of episodes of this. And Clay Spang is such a good actor. And it is, it's like, it's Dracula, but it's like for a new, you know, the story stays true. Like it's still based in Transylvania. It's very creepy. There's definitely some scary elements. It's more suspenseful, but the story, it's like, you know, you've seen the story about the zombie apocalypse a thousand times, but it's nice. Like you've seen Dracula a thousand times, but at least this series gives it a little bit of a fresh take. So it's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. You know, you mentioned series and I just, I was about to sneak in uh, uh, this amazing British comedy horror series called The Legal Gentleman, but I I don't even know if it's av- available for streaming here. It's so good. You're aware of it? <laughs> It's, I've watched the whole. I used to have it on. I taped it from BBC. There you go. I taped it on DVD. I DVR'd it. Yeah, oh, it was so good. My man, that that kind of marked a generation. That was one of these series for me and my friends. Kind of growing up yeah. in the UK, we watched the show live. And those guys, and I remember that because Mike Gattis started on the League of Gentlemen. He's uh he's the butcher. Well, he plays various characters. Anyway, that's an amazing series and creepy as hell. But. <laughs> And another amazing series is The Return, the French series about a village in the mountains where the dead simply just come back to life. And uh, it's more about how they deal with the absence and their return. Yeah. And it's so well made and it's so atmospheric. The, the soundtrack is amazing. I forget who did the soundtrack. I forgot about that one. Yeah. I haven't heard yeah, of yeah, this yeah. one. Ooh, this That's is... super weird. That's like one of my number one picks for a yeah. foreign series. I watched that when I was living in Paris and it was, and it helped me to learn French and it was just like a, <laughs> just such a great series. I'd seen that too. I totally forgot about yeah. it. It's really good. Is that your third but pick, Matt? The Return? That's not my third pick. I'm being very cheeky and sneaking <laughs> two in there just because you gave me an opening with talking about series. My third pick is a severely underwatched film, which was actually my top film of the year in 2018, which is Annihilation. It's sci-fi horror. A little cheeky. It's more sci-fi than horror, but there is some really scary 
creepy and disturbing, surreal stuff in there. So I think it qualifies. It's directed by Alex Garland, who's another Brit with a really solid indie reputation. He did 28 Days Later, Sunshine, Ex Machina. And the cast is another all-female cast. It's Nat- Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson. Uh, Oscar Isaac plays the one kind of main male character. Natalie Portman basically plays a biologist who leads this all-female team into the Shimmer, which is this mysterious kind of expanding dome created by a meteorite. Not too unlike with the WandaVision field, I guess, for a a recent reference. And things in there are just surreal and bizarre. She's seeking answers about her husband who came back from a who was one of the only person to survive any previous expeditions into this place. And he came back disturbed, memory loss. We watched this through her eyes and we immediately were as confused and as scared as she is. She wakes up in there. She doesn't know what's going on. And the place is this living, breathing, surreal kind of life force. And yeah, there's just this mystery. There's some really creative, mind-bending scares and the ending is nuts. The ending is really out there. It kind of goes into uh, like 2001 or Contact or Interstellar kind of level mm. of, yeah, of it does. just weirdness yeah, 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 and yeah. a prolonged thing. And I love, and interestingly, bizarre little fact is that unsurprisingly, the studio tried to cut down that ending and make it more cinema friendly. But the producer, Scott Rudin, who has been in the news lately because is much maligned for being incredibly abusive, uh, reportedly abusive to his staff. Anyway, yep. apparently he stood his ground and said, we're going to keep it as weird as it is, which is why it was released by Netflix in many territories. You know, so it was an, kind of an, an early kind of streaming, straight to streaming release in many territories. And uh, and yeah, and uh, so unlike The Descent, where they changed the ending, here they kept it as it is. So it's visceral, it's ambitious, it's kind of got this dreamlike quality and a puzzle. And yeah, so you guys have seen it? I've seen Annihilation. I haven't seen it. It's good. Um, I, I remember it. as impressed as I was. I loved it. Well, no, no, no. I actually agree with you on a lot of those fronts because I love the cast. It's, it's nice to see that it was an all-female cast. And yeah, led by Natalie Portman. And you're right. Like, there's that. I do think it's more of that sci-fi and suspense thing. But there are, you're right, there are some scenes in that film that are just straight creepy. Like they, they're sort of mind blowing. Yeah, it's kind of body horror. Yeah, it's got that like ethereal kind of thing happening where you see visually, it's like a stunning film because when right. she goes into the other side and like the plants are growing, and then she goes into that kind of cave, and yeah, visually, it's it's like a treat. I, I wish I had seen that in the theater. Like, well, I wish I had the ability to see it on a big screen. If if you do, or if you've got like home cinema, then that's one of those films that it's definitely worth watching on a bigger screen. But it's a treat. Like, it's pretty mind bending. And this is on video on demand, by the way. All right, my last pick is actually an episode of a series. So I think I mentioned it on one of our chats. It either was on Clubhouse or it was in this podcast. But I think one of the episodes from Black Mirror has always stuck with me. And it's the one in Mm. season four, episode five. It's called Metalhead. It's directed by David Slade, written by Charlie Booker, as is most of the series. And it's the one that's black and white. 
And it's just so creepy and so scary. And I, for me, that one, aside from some other like good ones, but this one is the one that really resonated and like kind of sticks in my brain just because it's half a little bit of the apocalyptic world. So it's like the rise of the transcendence. And like, if you're into that kind of technology thing called the singularity where robots become smarter than humans, this group of people in Scotland, they're being terrorized by these robotic dogs that have just become superhuman. I mean, they, they can do anything. They can track you. They can find you from miles and miles away and they'll kill you. And so basically it's that they're, they're trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic world. We don't know through the whole episode. And I think this is really a testament to how well this whole episode is crafted. It's 41 minutes long. So it's, it's like a little longer than some of the other episodes in Black Mirror, but just from beginning to end, you don't know you're like, it's, you're in suspense. You're on the edge of your seat. Are they going to die? What are they looking for? They're in the search for something, but you don't know what you think it's like. They're trying to look for some element to help their survival. And in the ending is where they reveal it. And you're thinking this whole time, oh my God. So I would highly recommend that if you're looking for something to watch where you're going to be scared it's creepy. It's gory. Yeah, it's got that visceral quality. There's one scene where she happens upon a body. And just the way it's filmed and the, the imagery like of it, you can only imagine how bad this corpse smells because of <laughs> because it's like been lying there and she the way the main actress, she's not like a popular American actress, but just the way her face looks, you know, you just kind of feel it. So I, I just loved the intensity of that episode. So yeah, it's called Metalhead and it's uh, season four, episode five of Black Mirror. So that's my last pick. Nice. Jeff, what's your last pick? My last pick is from 2015. It's called The Witch, a New England folktale. Yes. It's directed by Robert Eggers. It's, it's another... Uh, Matt-tastic 92 minutes. <laughs> All good horror films are. All, and most good <laughs> films are, particularly horror films. That's a great pick, man. I, I want to hear about this. Yeah, that's you're right. Most horror films actually are short. Well, yeah. So it features Anya Taylor-Joy, who's mm-hmm. in Queen's Gambit, among other stellar productions, and Ralph Insian uh, of The Green Knight, I think, most recently. Oh. Yeah, the IMDb synopsis reads, A family in 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. This movie is atmospherically perfect. The script has zero fat. Like, it's a great story. It's great storytelling. I think the theme that I sort of most enjoy is how it deals with the incredible sort of moral stupidity of the Puritans and early American settlers, you know, who, who would just deny each other help because they disagreed over a Bible verse. And, you know, so like, I think the movie sort of allegorically is about in some ways getting out from under that, like the main character, Anya's character is, is sort of like struggling with all of these, you know, puritanical things and there's all kinds of tension in the family because they're they're you know 
they have to go make their own way on some farmland apart from their settlement because uh, because of a doctrinal disagreement. And so there's, you know, these legends and stories of witches in the forest. What's weird about it, though, is the film portrays the witchcraft side of it from the Puritan's perspective, like as malevolent. And the the Puritans are, are sort of like kind of helpless in the face of this magic. But, you know, that's not really like one of the first things of, about magic that they teach is is karma you know it's sort of like you reap what you sow so super interesting yeah it's like hollywood witchcraft but you know or Mm -hmm. sort of legend witchcraft but it's just like a perfect scary movie yeah i like when you deal with themes that are you know have that religious element and these poor people like look all they had because that's you know that's what they had back in the day was their faith right yeah. And so when you believe strongly in something and something's challenging it, then... And completely fails in the face right, of it. Right, right. Yeah. Like in the modern day lens, of course, we're like, oh my God, they're so stupid. Like, But, you know, back in the day, <laughs> like you, you had to do... Oh, I, yeah, even if you were wrongly accused of being a witch, it's like the worst thing that can happen to you and your family. That's a really interesting pick. And you're right. Like, she's great in that film. Oh, it's so good. We were in a similar level here because I was really close to watching that this week as well. That was in my short list of movies that I should have watched. I yeah. loved The Lighthouse. It was one of my favorite yeah. movies of last year. And But I, I, I get a feeling this is significantly creepier than that. Am I right? It's creepy. Yeah. Yes, you know what it is? It's kind of like that level of hereditary. Do you remember? Have you guys seen Hereditary? Um, I haven't seen it yet. It's not, doing not it. as yeah, it's not as gory or or bloody as Hereditary, but it's got that same kind of like level of suspense and creepiness and jump scares and like you know, there's something. There's a brutality and a sinisterness to the whole thing. Yeah, right. That's it. It's like that. Yeah, Jeff, you nailed it. It's like that underlying um, evil. Like there's something evil there in the whole movie. It's, it's there. It's like that atmosphere. And it, that's what I love about like horror films. It's, when they're done well, yeah. it's so it's it's nice to see when directors can pull that off. But yeah, the witch mm-hmm. is which is a good one. I feel like it was like a new kind of horror making horror filmmaking when the witch came out because mm-hmm. it didn't rely so much on special effects. You know, it was one of those like yeah. kind of throwback homage to storytelling and skillfulness with like filmmaking and directing rather than special effects and you know just. And with the spare special effects that they do, they're really like rocket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. His upcoming movie looks really interesting as well. He's got a film with Nicole Kidman, Anya Taylor-Joy, Bjork, and William Dafoe. And it's uh, it ah. sounds spectacular. Who's that? The director? Yeah, Robert Eggers' new, new fil- upcoming mm-hmm. film called The Northman. Sounds really, nice. really great. So yeah, I think I need to check that out. Good pick. All right. Yeah. What else are we watching? Jeff, what else have you been watching lately? We just watched The Guilty with um, oh. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, Jake Gyllenhaal, to get it right. Yilen- How dare you? Let's turn now. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was okay. Yeah. It's about a police officer who receives a 911 call. And it was, it was all right for a little, uh, <laughs> you know, Momentary distraction? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I've also been watching um, season two of Love on the Spectrum, which is, a, which is a show on Netflix. Both of these are on Netflix, by the way. Love on the Spectrum has to do with people who are on the autism spectrum dating. And it's a reality show, but it's, and it's an Australian reality show, but it's so good. It's so good. I agree with you. I haven't started the second series yet, but I watched the first one and it is this <sighs> like so full of it's heart. So touching yeah, and, it's so full of heart, yeah. very endearing. Love the characters. I think season two is better. It really is. It's so good. What is it on? Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. The characters are just, well, I don't even know if you want to call them characters because it's, well, Matt, I don't know if you would like it because it's technically a dating show. So it's, (laughs) I mean, you know, that's one. You can't hold against me that I didn't like Sexy Beasts. Come on. Which actually, (laughs) Sexy Beasts, that's getting, uh, season two is starting on Netflix this weekend. (laughs) Good for you. That's your weekend figured out. (laughs) Eh, I might like just watch and see what the people look like. Matt, what else have you been watching? Well, I have, I am no longer watching the Squid Game as previously reported. (laughs) What I have been watching, which has been uh, quite the opposite of that show uh, in many ways, I guess, is the the hundred foot wave on HBO <gasps> yes, Max, brilliant, which really caught me out. I thought I kept thinking it can't be that interesting. It's big wave surfers. How much story is there to tell? And but I kept seeing that it you know good reviews and good comments and. Yeah, and I was instantly hooked. I mean, visually, first of all, it's spectacular. So if you have a nice big screen, you absolutely have to watch this. I mean, the cinematography is beautiful. I mean, that's what these guys' careers depend on. They get sponsorship based on how good the, the scenery looks, I guess, in the magazines. And But it tells the story of the uh, big wave surfer who basically discovered Nazareth, which is now very well known. It's a little it's a little spot in the coast of Portugal where there's a little lighthouse on some rocks and some just monster waves. And most people now recognize it because the waves that they caught during the series have now been shown on TV shows and news shows. And anyway, so you've got some interesting surfers, you've got some personal kind of stories involved with this and I, I, I'm not really sure why it's so watchable. I think it's it's really well produced. Like it looks great. The the soundtrack is fantastic. It's 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 just really well documented. There's great interviews with interesting and passionate people, uh, and there's their personal stories are interesting. There's some good characters apart from the main guy, Gary McNamara. There is an English guy who is very likable called uh, Cotty. Yeah, really good fun. Yeah, I've caught a couple of episodes of that show too. It it is, it's really good. I think it's because I mean, I think the hook is obviously the incredible scenery and you're rooting for them. Yeah. But truly, I mean, you don't you don't know. Like it's it's kinda like the Alex Holnold movie pre where he's like free climbing. Free, free solo. Free solo <laughs> where he's <laughs> almost free willy. No, free solo where he's like climbing right. El Capitan. So a hundred yeah. foot wave is, is good. I've, yeah. I, I'm going to continue watching that one. I've been watching all sorts of random stuff. I've been kind of letting Britney versus Spears play in the background. And it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's interesting. I have to say there's a, it digs up a lot of dirt and frankly, I'm glad that they've done this investigative journalism now to reveal what her life has really been like for the past 13 years. 
and hopefully she can now get her life back on track. I like that they didn't go through the obvious things that everybody knows already, that they've really dug deep into new documents. So that's interesting. What streaming is that on? Because it's about three of them. Netflix, Britney versus Spears. I know there's so okay. many. So many industry. Yeah, we watched the, the New York Times reports one on Hulu. That was pretty good. Yeah. I thought, did you see that one, Chindi? Uh, I, I think Framing I've seen... Framing Britney Spears? There's also a new one called Controlling. Controlling Britney Spears. Yeah. Framing is the yeah, first one. I think, I think that's the one that you saw, Jeff, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. The newest one is like a like a five or six part series. I think it's on Hulu, but it's called Controlling Britney Spears. Or oh man, but Britney V Spears is it's quite good. It's hmm. it's like a nice little you know summary of what's been going on. A lot of interesting new Netflix content because I also I've, I've enjoyed the return of the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. And then the other thing I've kind of been watching is Animal Kingdom on Prime, which if you guys don't know that series. Great movie. Never saw the series. It's in its like fifth series on Prime and uh, it's a good show. If you're into that kind of like Matt, like surfing lifestyle, but also very point break ass surfers becoming criminals, becoming drug dealers slash all of that stuff in California. The first four seasons, Ellen Barkin was like the matriarch right. of the family. There's some really hmm. good acting. Finn Wolfhard, who is in Peaky Blinders, is one of the sons. It's just, it's a good show. So, like, we we're watching this latest season. So, those are the things that I've been watching. Have you seen the movie? I actually have not seen the movie. I only, I only discover it kind of like happened upon the series, but then I just stuck with it because it was pretty good. I think the series that was originally MC, I've been tracking for a while. I've almost started watching it many times. Yeah, it looks great. But the movie, it's mostly, I was interested mostly because the movie, it was this gritty Australian mafia family drama. And it's really good. So you should definitely watch it, I think, if you like this. Yeah, I'll check it out. Well, great. I think that wraps up our Halloween special, our spooky, spooktacular, stream it or leave it Halloween <laughs> edit. Thank you guys all for listening, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye, everybody. That's our show. Are you not entertained? What did you think? Pretty, pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and find, like, and follow us on social and on YouTube. We don't have faces for radio. Promise. You can't handle the truth. You can also find our show notes on Substack at Stream It or Leave It. See you next time, and thanks for tuning in. Did you guys have any overflow horror picks? I would be curious to know because one of mine was Nightmare on Elm Street. I really, you know, I was thinking mm-hmm. like, eh, let's go back in the in the crates and see if we, and, and I tried to watch it again on HBO Max. <laughs> it hasn't aged well. <laughs> let, me just, let me just tell you, like the, the sequels aren't even worth bothering with. And I tried to watch the first one again. And uh, it's a fun one, though, because that's like introducing Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that main actress, Heather Langenkamp, it's like in some scenes you can't tell if she's laughing or if she's scared. <laughs> and then just like, it's you know, I love Wes Craven, but... She's just tired. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. I try to kind of stay away from the ones that are more known. I mean, for me, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, Scream and Saw, 
absolute modern classics. I mean, then, you know, the sequels, whatever, but Scream is just a great scary movie and so is a, it's just, it's a great idea done really, really well. And if it ended at that, it would have been really up there for me. Uh, the Shining, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you could argue whether it's really horror. I don't feel like it's all out horror, but, uh, but people know about those. So I kind of tried to yeah. stay away from those. But one that I, one that I, I mean, get out, obviously, it was great. And, uh, and then the follow up, Us, which was so <laughs> creepy. I couldn't even watch it on a plane. I thought, I'm going to put this on the plane. I'm surrounded by people. This is going to be fine. And after five minutes, like, no, it's not. No way. <laughs> I didn't find that scary at all. What? Matt, you really disappointed. I have me. certain traumas. We all have yeah. our own traumas. I'm sure I'll find yeah. one that you'll turn off. <laughs> actually, one that an old school that is actually worth watching that I didn't pick because people would have to pay a dollar ninety nine to watch it on Prime is the the, uh, the old the old Pet Cemetery. If you guys haven't seen that, mm-hmm. that is the first film that I watched that made me unable to sleep at night. And then I think I was like really really young. I could not sleep. And I remember <laughs> like waking up and being like, mom, I can't sleep. I'm scared. <laughs> but that was the first scary movie. And the, I've seen the remake. It's not good. So the old pet cemetery is brilliant. So creepy and so good. I love the song. Don't know about the movie. If you guys want like a really good atmospheric sci-fi but also kind of creepy but also thought-provoking have you guys seen a ghost story with casey affleck oh yeah that's great yeah it's not horror though it's not horror it's kind of like got some creepy elements but yeah it's more of like a great suspense uh sci-fi drama like a drama like a mournful drama with a little bit of supernatural Yeah, exactly. Um, great movie, yeah, great yeah. ending as well. I, it's yeah, and it's shot in a really interesting way. It's got a different mm-hmm. format. Yeah, that's a great little great Casey movie. Affleck surprised me with that one. So cool. Oh, shame, shame he's become a bad boy. <laughs> I guess uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want it. Yeah, Casey, a bad boy in the media's eyes, maybe not too in a bad way. Uh, I guess. <laughs>